On today's show, you're going to hear an awesome story from tragedy to triumph. You're going to hear how sports can lift you out of your darkest moments in life and provide you with the hope that you need to move forward. This is a great episode of The Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! What is up, everybody? Another week and another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I appreciate you guys tuning in. This is Shane Larson, your host. Uh, I'm coming at you today with an awesome story, but I wanted to first give you guys some updates on the show. Uh, One of the things is I've got a newsletter coming out, and I'm going to be pushing this link out for you guys when this website gets finished up so that you guys can sign up for the newsletter. It's going to be a weekly newsletter giving you in-depth information, behind-the-scenes info on the show. Uh, We're going to have a Meet the Guest um, newsletter that goes out as well. So you can, you know, kind of outside of the podcast, kind of get to know their, their bio. And if you have any questions for them, they'll have their contact information as well. So we got some big plans coming for the game time guru podcast. Also make sure if you want that audible trial to get your 30 day free trial for, um, audible downloads for free audiobooks, go to audibletrial.com slash the game time guru and you can get that free trial. That's my sponsor. And so uh, make sure you, you know, that's how you can show me some support and then get your free audiobook download as well. Now, today's guest is an awesome one. I, I mentioned this in the, the introduction. It's going to be a story that's going to show you how sports truly are for everybody, but they can lift you out of some, some deep, dark moments of your life and can give you some hope. And um, I hope you guys enjoy this as I break it down with Josiah Sullivan. Josiah, thanks so much for joining the show today. Yeah, Shane, thanks for having me on here. For sure, man. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. And on the show, we like to get to know our guests a little bit. So I want you to, you know, explain who you are, where you're from, and give us a little bit of your background in sports. This is a sports podcast, so I do want to hear your background in sports, Josiah. All right. Yeah, I'm uh, originally from California. I was born and raised in o- Oakland area, and lived there till I was like seven, and then moved to Idaho. Um, been in Idaho ever since. So, uh, but. Yeah, growing up, I played. I was really into sports. I was a very athletic person. Loved playing sports. Uh, did track, football, basketball for a season. Uh, and then in high school, I did lacrosse and I also did golf. And uh, it was right after graduating high school, I was in a car accident and uh, broke my neck and suffered a spinal cord injury there. And it left me paralyzed from the waist, or sorry, from the chest down. So I'm now considered a quadriplegic, so I don't have use of my fingers or my tricep muscles, so I don't have some function in my arms and no function in my legs. So coming out of that, I, you know, really wanted to get back into sports, being a sports guy. So, you know, I couldn't play lacrosse anymore, so I started coaching lacrosse. And, you know, I love those big, hard, fast-hitting sports. And lacrosse, you know, you get to run around and beat guys with sticks. is pretty fun. You know, not being able to play anymore, I started coaching, which was a blast. And then it was about five years after I started, after my accident and was coaching lacrosse, that I ran into a guy who moved away from Boise, went to Texas, and he started playing rugby over there, came back and wanted to start a team. So we got together, and four or five of us met downtown Boise in an alley and started a rugby team, a wheelchair rugby team. And uh, ever since then, I was back in 2012. And ever since then, we've been going crazy. And it's a lot of fun because wheelchair rugby reminds me a lot of uh, lacrosse and those fast-paced, hard-hitting sports. 
So it's it's really awesome to be able to get back and, into the sports area and be able to play, you know, a, a physically demanding sport. For sure. And I think your story is extremely motivating, Josiah. So I appreciate you sharing, you know, a little bit of your background because there is a little bit, you know, of sadness that comes out of that story a little bit because obviously, you know, you grew up being able to play and compete and then you go through a, a tragic accident like that. And while some people would allow it to keep them down for a, quite a while, you know, um, you use sports as a way to kind of motivate yourself as a coach and now as a player um, and, and you found a way to compete. I kind of want to know a little bit more about this wheelchair rugby, though. This is kind of why I want to bring you on the show to educate our listeners on this sport because it's it's rad. If you haven't checked it out, you guys need to, but, I mean, we need to learn through Josiah real quick about the rules and, and, and the way the game the games go. You said you started this league up in Boise, this team up in Boise back in 2012. How has it evolved since then? Do, has the league grown or where do you guys even play to begin with? So since 2012, we started our team in 2012 there. We were a developmental team. Um, I think there was around 40 teams uh, in the what's called the USQRA, the United States Squad Rugby Association, which is what we're a member of and play through. Um, we're the only team in Idaho, and there's typically like one team per state. Some you know bigger populated states have more teams. Um, but right now, uh, last year there were 40 three teams, I believe, in the USQRA, and, you know, the closest ones are, like, Seattle, Portland, Utah, Salt Lake, there, Reno. Um, we usually play a lot of those teams, but uh, it's, you got to travel a lot and go play because to be able to play this sport, to qualify to be able to play, you have to be a quadriplegic, so you have to have some type of paralysis in at least three limbs now. Um, there's some people with other types of disabilities, you know, whether it be amputations or things like that. Um, but So it's very limited on who can play. And so as in Idaho, you know, there's not a lot of – we don't have a heavy population, so getting the numbers out to be able to have more teams is tough. That's why we're the only team in Boise, um, actually, like, you know, in the state. Uh, so we just travel. And the way they set it up, the league, um, you do a bunch of tournaments, and uh, you just go around. You can travel. We go to tournaments uh, probably once a month or so. Uh, during season, which is September to April. And we go play tournaments, usually six to eight teams at a tournament. And you just kind of do a round robin, play the tournaments for three days. And uh, they have a, the, sec- the USQRA split up in sections. So you have sectionals, which go to the postseason. And if you do good enough there, you get to go to nationals. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun. The sport was created back in 1976 in Canada. Okay, so it's been around for a while. It's cool to see that you guys have done that, though. I mean, I think that's awesome. And I started looking into this when I set up this interview with you. I started, you know, watching some YouTube videos to try to get an idea of the sport itself and kind of watching it. It's intense, man. You guys you guys go crazy out there. It's, uh, it's, it's not just a relaxed sport, so it's really cool to watch, and I encourage everybody to watch it. But I want you guys to understand the rules, so that's where you come in, Josiah. Let's explain this. How many players are allowed to play at one time per team, and where do you guys play on like what kind of surface? So we play on a basketball court, just a regulation-sized basketball court, and it's four players on the court at a time per team. Right. And they set up, we set up cones on the end lines, and that's the goal area, and you just have you play with a volleyball, and you just have to roll across the goal line, get two wheels across with the ball on your lap to score. Okay, and you know everyone's best friend the referees, uh, how many refs are on the court at a time? There's two referees on the court. And in, in like international play or um, nationals, they have another ref that's on the sideline working the substitutions and the table to make sure 
the clock and scoring is all going well. Oh, for sure. Hopefully the refs for wheelchair rugby are better than the refs for, you know, the NFL. Des still caught the ball, in my opinion. So anyways, um, I have a question on the classifications. This is a, a big one because from what I was reading up, you guys have classifications based on, I guess, your abilities. I guess I'll have you elaborate on that, but there's classifications. So you have a point scale based on your abilities, and then you can't have more than a certain amount of points on the court at one time. So could you elaborate on how classifications work? In wheelchair rugby? Yeah. So, like you said, there each person is given a classification from 0.5 to 3.5, and it's based off your function ability. Um, so, what they do is there's classification panels, uh, and they're mainly all physical therapists. And so, you see a panel, which is three physical therapists, and they take you in a room and they test all your muscle functions. So they put you through this whole test of seeing how strong each little muscle function is, and they have a scoring system, and based on that, you they give you a classification from that 0.5 to 3.5. And 0.5, 0.5 is being, you know, you have the least amount of function. And then 3.5 is the ones who have the most amount of function. And out of those four players on the court, they can only add up, those classifications can only add up to eight points. I like that, though, because it, it causes you to have some sort of strategy then. So there is a lot of strategy on what kind of lineups you run with who you have. You know, you can run two... 3.5s who are very high functioning with two 0.5s who are kind of lower functioning, or you can run like a really even lineup of four 2.0s who are kind of in the middle where they can actually handle the ball and, uh, you know, play defense all at the same time. So it's, it's kind of interesting how that's all. It's, it's really nice because it makes it so, um, people of all, uh, injury levels can play the sport, you know, and the quadriplegic is not that the lower functioning guys, you know, if there's no classification, that's lower-functioning guys wouldn't be able to really play because they'd put all the higher-functioning guys in, this, in right. the game. Right, for sure. I, I think that's awesome because it gives everybody the opportunity to compete. And in regards to the game, you said you have to get both wheels across the line. I want to know how, for one, on the defensive side of things, how do they stop you? Do you have to physically take the ball away from the you know, the offense, or do you have a different way that you can get the ball back? And as far as advancing the ball, how do you get the ball to your players? Is there, are there any rules in regards to what you can and cannot do in regards to advancing the ball? I just want to know a little bit more about you know the speed of the game and, and how that all is processed. So wheelchair rugby... Um in sense of whether it compares to regular rugby, uh, it's mainly we just got they got the name from uh, rugby just because of the intensity of the sport. It, wheelchair rugby used to be called murder ball, um, but they changed the name because you know murder ball is kind of hard to market. For sure, and, you know you can't really get sponsors for murder ball. They don't like to be associated with something sounding like that. Uh, so they changed it to wheelchair rugby. Uh, but the rules it's you know, the easiest way to explain it is kind of like basketball on steroids. Uh, so instead of shooting baskets, we roll between the goal. But the ball, you have the ball, you have to dribble every 10 seconds or pass it. So you can carry it up to 10 seconds. You have to dribble or pass. The way the other team stops you is there's a 40-second score clock. You have to score within 40 seconds. So the team just stops you from there. Um, you hit them. All the chair-to-chair contacts you want legal. So you just ram them, try to hit them. If they fall over with the ball, then it's a turnover. Uh, otherwise, you can, uh, just like in basketball, if you get your hand on top of the ball, uh, both guys have possession of it, basically. It's a jump ball, and it goes to whoever has the possession arrow, which rotates after every jump ball. Or you can reach in and try to swipe the ball out of their lap and get it out of their lap. But you can't touch another player or their chair. 
So if you're trying to reach in and grab the ball and you hit their arm or their shoulder or whatever, um, it's a penalty and you go into the penalty box and have to serve a one-minute penalty. So it has a little mixture of, like, hockey, basketball, um, lacrosse. It has a mixture of just a lot of sports, which is really fun. Yeah, it seems really fun. It's really cool to watch. It's interesting because I'd never seen it before. And what I noticed when I was watching the some of the games is a lot of the times, you know, you'll have the guy that has the ball and then a couple guys are trying to jam him up. But uh, they usually have this like a fast guy streaking down the side of the court, and they'll they'll launch it to him and you know catch it if he's good. So do you typically want to just take your fastest guy and have him do basically a fly route? Is there any kind of like offsides penalty like you have in in hockey and in soccer where like the fastest guy can't be behind the last defender or something? To, you know that that uh, whole rule that they have. Is there anything like that, or do you just take your fast guy and and throw him throw him deep essentially? Yeah. So there's there's no like offsides or any of that um, in it. Really, the strategy is it all depends on what kind of lineup you're running. Uh, typically, in rugby, you want to be a ball hog, so you want to get the ball to your number one player, your fastest guy, and have everyone else just block, get in the way of the other people and let that guy score. Because the more passes you do in rugby, the more chances you have of turning it over, throwing the ball away. Because most of us have limited hand function. So when you're trying to catch a ball, and you don't have much hand function, you can't grip, grip the ball, there's a lot of chances for turnovers. And in a wheelchair, you can't move lateral. You can't go left to right really easy. So if the ball's not thrown right to you, it's going to go out of bounds. So a lot of strategies, like for me, I'm a, me, I'm classed as a 0.5. I'm the 0.5 to the lowest. And um, the chairs are different. So there's defensive and offensive chairs. And usually the lower point players like myself are in what they call picker chairs, a defensive chair. So it has like a little picker cage on the front. It has like these wires cage up on the front. And you use that to kind of hook into the other guys' wheels and stop them. So that's my job is to get in the way and hook other guys so my ball handler can get around and score. So yeah. basically get the ball in fast. Um, if you guys trap, try to launch it down to another guy. But it's all based on what kind of lineups you have out there. So there's many different strategies to run, which is really fun to to try to implement because you never know what you're going to do when you get into a game. And when one team, you know, you're playing in the game and they switch their lineup, they'll be running a complete different strategy. So you got to adjust for that. Right. For sure. And Josiah, I want to ask you a question about the training aspect of this, because you had a, you had quite a bit of time growing up. You went through your high school days and everything, being able to compete in the quote unquote traditional sports. And then obviously the, the accident happened, as you mentioned, and, now you're you're in a wheelchair playing wheelchair rugby and for any of those people who have never actually tried to play sports in a wheelchair I've done some uh, wheelchair basketball myself and it is quite literally one of the hardest things I've ever done um, it's very difficult to push a wheelchair and 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 be trained for that it doesn't matter how big and strong you are like it's a very difficult thing so I kind of want to get your thought process on that from like the traditional sports you were used to playing those and then now you have to reteach yourself a training method. How is it trying to train for a wheelchair sport like wheelchair rugby? Yeah, it's uh, there's really no like weightlifting you can do to mask pushing in a wheelchair. So really the the best way is just getting out there in a wheelchair and pushing. Um, when I was first injured, uh, I really was didn't have a whole lot of function. I was really weak. Um, mainly used to, mainly used a power chair. You know, it's the power wheelchair where you have like a little joystick and it drives your chair for you. Um, it's about, like I said, I think it was about five years after my accident was when rugby came and I 
first time out in about the first probably month or two at least um, getting in a chair. I could barely push up and down the court two or three times, and then I was just so tired. Now I can play an entire hour and a half game and be fine. Um, so it, it's just, you know, we practice twice a week. Um, each practice is two and a half hours long, and we do an intense just continually up and down the court, up and down the court, doing drills and then scrimmaging. Um, and then I, what I also do to help train is I like to do half marathons. So I get in my rugby chair and I push a half marathon, 13.1 miles, and uh, train a lot on that. So that's just mainly getting out in the wheelchair and pushing as much as I can. Doing hills is one of the best ways to work on that too, is just pushing up hills because that helps the start speed. So getting getting started is the hardest part on the wheelchair. Once you get going, you've got that momentum. Keeping it up is not that hard. So it's just once you get it going and pushing in the wheelchair, you get used to it. Gosh, that's so awesome, man. That's so rad. I, I love hearing this story of like how you guys train. It's like it's no different than any other sport. You have to train. You put a lot of time and effort into the training so you can be able to compete at a high level. I love that. And I, one of the things that I get worried about is as I'm watching you guys, especially when you're talking about the the picker chair and all this stuff, you got you got to jam into people is the injuries that you can sustain. I want to know, if have you ever sustained any injuries playing? Like One of the things that, that freaked me out, for instance, is watching these. I would be scared to get my hands smashed up because your fingers are all out there and everybody's running into each other. Have you ever sustained any injuries playing wheelchair rugby? Yeah, the first question a lot of people ask us is why we don't wear helmets. Um, which not, uh, There's a few guys who wear helmets because they've had some concussions, but most of us don't wear helmets. But uh, Yeah, as far as smashing fingers and injuries go, uh, you learn pretty quickly where to keep your hands and where to keep them out of um, after you get smashed once or twice. I've had my hands smashed a couple times. I wear uh, two pairs of gloves and then um, some uh, like this rubber padding that comes around the palm of my hand. So my hands are pretty protected there, but still when I get smashed, I can feel it and it's like, ooh, yeah. Uh, we've had one guy on our team, he tore some ligaments in his finger because it got caught in the wheel and uh, it was pretty bad. Um, other guys, there's a few broken fingers, but the the main injury, the chair takes most of the beating when you're in it. Um, these chairs get beat up pretty good, and uh, but the main the main injury usually is concussions. So when guys get hit and flipped over, you, hit your head on the court and uh, sometimes suffer concussions or, you know, you cut your head open a little bit. So those are the ones they've been trying to avoid the most. But, yeah, fingers, finger smashing and getting your head hit on the ground is the most common injury. Gosh, dang. I don't even – I don't know how you guys do it. It's crazy to hear what you guys do to, you know, you're putting your bodies through a lot of – a lot of things here, so it's cool. The dedication you guys have uh, for the sport, it's awesome. Josiah, what do you guys want to do as this team in Boise continues to you know, evolve? What's your ultimate goal? You guys wanting to make nationals? What are we trying to do here? Yeah. Um, we're, our main goal right now is we want to try to make it to nationals. Um, currently, our team is it's, we don't have a lot of high pointers, so we have a guy whose class is a 2.5. That's our highest. Then next is like a 1.5 and everyone else is a 1 or a 0.5. So we don't really, like our highest lineup we can run, you know, you can legally run an 8-point lineup. Our highest lineup we can run is a 6-point lineup. Um, so we're at a disadvantage there to start off with. But uh, we're, we're trying to recruit, get some more people to come in. This last season, uh, we lost out to make it to nationals. We went into sectionals and 
we lost by one point. The team, we, team scored with less than a second left to win the game. And, uh, the winner of that game was going to nationals. So that was a, that was a bummer right there. We were so close to nationals. Um, but we've never been to nationals. We've only been a team, you know, for six years now. Um, when we've only gone to sectionals three years, um, and this last year was the closest we've been to making nationals. Um, in the previous years, we've, so the way the sectionals work, they do a sectional tournament. The top four teams from each section go to nationals. And that's 16 teams because there's four sections. And they do the top eight are classified as the D1. And then the bottom eight are classified as D2. And they do two separate national tournaments, a D1 and a D2. And the last, so not last year, but the previous two years, um, we hosted what we called the unofficial D3 championships. And so we brought in all the teams who uh, didn't qualify for nationals who wanted to come here. And we hosted our own kind of D3 Nationals. So that was kind of our way of doing our own little tournament. And that was pretty fun. Yeah, I bet it was. That's awesome. And how is this whole this whole thing funded? Josiah, do you guys, you know, pay out of pocket or is it sponsors? Like, how do you guys fund it for all the traveling and, and competitions you go to? It's a mixture of both. Um, it, and it also depends on the teams. Um, we're fortunate enough here in Boise, we've got some good sponsors. And uh, we get a lot of donations and we do fundraising. To where most, I mean, when we travel, uh, we have enough funds to pay for everything. So as what comes out of our own pocket is like meals. So when we travel, we have to, we cover our own meals and everything. But, uh, we've got our sponsors who help us out a ton and going donations and fundraising. Um, it's how we support our team. And is there a way for us to go and, and donate to your guys' team? Yeah. We have, uh, a website that you can go on to and, we have a place on there to um, to be able to donate, and we also have a Facebook page um, you can go through, which has a lot of information there. Um, we pull up our website is BoiseBombersQuadRugby.com, so you can go on there, and we have places there that shows all of our sponsors, and you can go on there if you have a business and want to become a sponsor. Um, you can contact us through there, and we have ways to donate to our team from uh, our website there. And then we also do, um, you know, outreaches and different things throughout the community. And so we practice at Fort Boise Community Center. Um, you can go on there and contact us, and we can let you know when practices are, when we're doing stuff, and you can come out. And we have extra chairs, so you're always welcome to come hop in a chair and get beat up with us. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, or lose some fingers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, for real, That's that sounds like a lot of fun. And I just want to end with this, Josiah. For someone like yourself who's been through this tough situation in your life where you had to overcome – uh, the struggles that you did and I want to know if you can just share with us some words of motivation some inspiration for anybody who might have gone through something similar or anyone who has a struggle that they have to go through in life they need to keep their head up what can you give for your, your advice yeah so you know the hardest thing for me coming through was thinking that I wasn't gonna be able to play sports again and then the way other people treated me just being, being treated different um uh, so the best way to keep your head up is, you know, get back into sports, you know, if you like sports or get into with a community, find other people in going through similar situations and just talk with them. That was the biggest thing for me was getting into rugby. It's a huge community. So I'm around 10 to 15 other guys who uh, have gone through similar injuries as me, similar situation. So we learn from each other. We hang out together and just learn everything. Um, and then when you go to tournaments, you know, it's, 
a bunch of other guys. We're all friends, and we just um, hang out. And it's just a great way to see other guys who are going through the same thing and how they've succeeded and know that, you know, there's still life after being injured and you can still, you know, move on and be successful. I appreciate that, Josiah. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for joining the show. And, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll come out there with you so I can meet you face-to-face. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to have you out there. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you. And and for all the listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this story. I hope you enjoyed hearing Josiah Sullivan talk about how he went through a a tragic event in his life and found a way to make a positive out of it. And you heard him say it, you know, like he, he loved sports. And that's like the majority of my listeners here have some sort of tie to sports in one way or another. And we all love sports. So you can see how sports have so much power um, to help elevate uh, everybody who, who is going through struggles or whatever it may be, it, it helps elevate somebody to a different level. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys check this out. Go, go follow me on all my social media pages and make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this with your friends and family. That way you guys can, uh, you know, keep up with it and you can discuss it with your friends and family. And again, keep an eye out for that newsletter that's going to be coming out. That's why you need to follow me on social. We'll talk to you guys next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.